0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli.
1: I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast <laughs>
2: Well, it may be Serena Williams' final tournament, but it is not her final tennis match because she won. (laughs) Incredibly. I mean, I suppose not that incredibly, really, because uh, of all she's done in the sport, but she's beaten Danka Kovinic. It has been the most incredible day One, We are assembled in the lobby of Catherine's hotel um, at uh, just about 20 minutes shy of... Midnight, And uh, it has been quite a day, Catherine.
3: <sighs> Is that your cue for me to try and sum up today? Because if so, pass.
2: You can just agree, Matt. if you like.
3: <laughs> yes, it's been quite a day. Matt, what do you think?
1: It has been quite a day. I don't think I've ever known an opening day of a Grand Slam be so much about one story. You know, and it felt like the whole day everyone was waiting for the Serena Williams match. You went out into the grounds. You saw signs, t-shirts. There was Serena atmosphere, and yet at the same time, an awful lot else has happened. Yeah. That I'm trying to put those two things together in my mind, and when you do, you just realise it's a it's a wild day. It's an overwhelming day, and it just gets this tournament off to the most. Unbelievable start, really.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, just, just before we get on to talking about the actual Serena Williams story and match, that was a record crowd tonight for the US Open. Mm. It was 29,402 people. Now, obviously, not all of those were in Arthur Ashe Stadium, they come into the grounds, but it was a complete capacity crowd tonight, and there were no points in it in which people weren't in their seats it was the most astonishing atmosphere astonishing crowd we're going to go through all of it we're going to go through all the upsets that have happened today and there have been a lot of them you know I mean if this tournament was open before we started what is it now um, but just before we do any of that we'll just uh, quickly remind you about our competition for an AO travel package for you and a guest to win a trip to the Australian Open. Two people one of them a friend of the tennis podcast and guest will receive two return economy flights accommodation four days of tickets and a premium experience open to friends of the tennis podcast and as soon as you sign up to become a friend a link to enter will be included in your welcome email details of how to become a friend are in our show notes to this show on your phone right now if you're already a friend keep an eye out for details in our daily newsletter tomorrow or email us at friends at tennispodcast.net to ask for the link To enter, so Catherine. First and foremost, when Serena came out onto that court, you you told me that that had really moved you at the time, and I missed that. I missed that part. I I managed to get great seats to watch the match, but I missed the entrance. Tell me about the entrance of Serena Williams tonight.
3: Well, it was after the entrance of Danekovnic. Quite a long time after. Quite a long time after. Was it? Yes, Danke Kovnitsch walked out. First of all, there was an opening ceremony which, look, I am extremely supportive of Ukraine and all anti-war sentiment in every way. Uh, I am also absolutely here for all celebration and memorial of Arthur Ashe. There was quite a confused a performance, I thought, from a Ukrainian choir sort of also related to Arthur Ashe. Look, I enjoyed it. (laughs) I didn't understand it. (laughs) But that happened, and it bore absolutely no relation to the Serena story. They clearly elected to do a sort of self-contained opening ceremony, incredible performance of the National Anthem, um, and then sort of a, a breakwater Serena's story begins. Um, let's get Danka Kovinich onto court and let's get out that that out of the way as quickly as possible. <laughs> she can sit there for a while. Um, Which then might, a, might help. Then a VT plays, of... uh, narrated by uh, Queen Latifah. All right. right. Um, and, oh, I don't know, my instinct is to be sniffy about these things. You know, I'd, I'd heard that there was a... Going to be a piece narrated by Queen Latifah, and you know I'm I'm British and you know repressed, and so sort of went oh you know oh, <laughs> they're going down that road, are they? And then of course about four seconds into it, I'm my lip is quivering, um, and uh, they're cutting to a shot of Olympia uh, Serena's nearly five-year-old daughter, with whom, of course, we know Serena was pregnant when she, she won her, her last Grand Slam in, in 2017. Uh, and uh, it turns out Olympia is not only wearing the 1999 beads in her hair, but also has a miniature replica version of Serena's incredible outfit for the night on. Uh, and that really, <laughs> that got me. <laughs> I always think it's good to get the... Get get the first cry out of the way nice and early <laughs> that's done let's focus on the tennis now um, yeah I, I I wasn't expected I wasn't expecting to be I was expecting to find it emotional you know we've we've we covered it didn't we when, when the Vogue piece came out I've never known a tennis watching life without Serena Williams Is it in it I've obviously known tournaments and periods without Serena Williams that's been the story of her career. lulls ebbs and flows. Um, but I've never known her to be gone. And she's going to be gone. And and that hit me tonight. And I, again, I had heard rumours about what they were going to do after the match. You know, I knew that what they were going to do would happen, win or lose. And I was very anxious about that. Frankly, I was anticipating I, I I you know before the match I was trying to work out which scenario would be more awkward is it more awkward if they do the tribute if she wins or is it more awkward if she, they do it when she loses and she's you know being the competitor that she is sat there gutted you know not able to fully enjoy it or perhaps even enjoy it at all and i have to say who knows how it would have been in another scenario but i thought it was Pretty much pitch perfect tonight.
2: Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was beautifully done. I, yeah. I really enjoyed the whole the whole experience. Look, I'm I'm going to stick with you just for a second, Catherine, because uh, at some point we're going to send you off to bed because it's cr- crazy hours that you work. Uh, I'm, I'm, and Matilda and I'll have plenty to talk about. But also because my first visual of what was going on on that court today was to walk in and and see what Serena was wearing, and I don't usually care i don't i'm you know I, I look, look good feel good all the rest of it great i don't use, usually doesn't make any difference to me but when i when i saw what she was wearing I, and and the the stars in her hair i just i just went wow
3: i have requested that on air for amazon tomorrow tbc
1: on whether that will come to fruition <laughs> for yourself mm. have you also requested a cape
3: yeah i mean every day for the rest of my life yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was well, amazing. Whose Quite day wouldn't be enhanced, enhanced by wearing a jewel-encrusted cape? <laughs> That's my new policy on life. It was incredible. And, I, you know, I'd wondered a lot about how much she would be leaning into the occasion and the ceremony of it all, how much she would be trying to block it out because, let's face it, she wants to win this tournament. However improbable that might be, she wants to win this tournament. Um, and it, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was an interesting juxtaposition, wasn't it? Her with the jewels in her hair, and all over, all about her person, with the VT, the the, uh, the the video piece that had just run, you know, on TV screens around the world and in the stadium, which she had clearly participated in because she was featured in it. She'd clearly done a bit of filming for it, so she knew it was happening she was a, a willing participant in it and yet she walked out wearing headphones
2: yeah wearing
3: and, in, in, in and that was the 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 balance right there before our eyes of embracing it but also trying to win that tennis match yeah. and I, I she clearly as evidenced by winning that tennis match Found that balance and I'm in awe of that
2: and that, that sums up her career I would say she has walked the line of superstar and competitor and athlete more finely than anybody ever I think Federer has walked that very well over the course of his career but not not to this degree you know you, you had to be there to understand the effect that she has had on this country I think and um, the, the only time I felt like that at the US Open was when she played her sister, and I can't remember the exact year, about 2007, something like that. And, I, I mean, I've been coming for 20 years, and I've never had a feeling inside Flushing Meadows like the one I had when she played her sister. And it was like... It was—it felt like a different crowd. It felt like people just coming out to celebrate these two people um, and what they mean. And, um, and And it was like that tonight, but it was... There was there were so many different types of tennis fan and sports fan and a fan of of an icon I think and and somebody who's been an inspiration to many other people it was it was a really interesting vibe in that stadium but essentially it was one of just true celebration and support they were desperate now look to me and I and I, I was I was vocal about this I don't like applauding the opponent's faults and cheering their double faults I don't like that I don't like it by any crowd anywhere it's just maybe I'm a stuffy English bloke but that's how I feel but take that aside it was just the most astonishing atmosphere what was the match like Matt?
1: The match was way better than I expected actually and Serena played way better than I expected you know she's, we've watched her at Wimbledon in Canada Cincinnati and she hadn't actually been getting any better I don't think and that was sort of my my worry going into this match was well if the tennis she played against Raducanu that might not be enough to beat Danka Kovinic. but she was w- so much better tonight um, particularly in the second set I think the first set was a real uh, battle she was a breakdown she was very nearly uh, 4-2 down but she hit a backhand winner onto the line return and then won 10 points in a row after that and that turn the match really and then she found her serve when she needed to that that beautiful serve I, um, I wrote a sort of ode to it in our newsletter the other week and just being able to watch it again
3: which is did did you write Billie Jean King's speech for her tonight, Matt?
1: <laughs> I was pleased. Billie Jean King also mentioned it. I was like, yeah, you and me, we're, Billie we're Jean. We're on the same page. Yeah, she's, exactly. She's a newsletter subscriber, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and she found it at the end of that first set when she really needed it. And then in the second set, um, she was really aggressive on return and moving Kovenich around the court and you know playing playing some really good tennis. I felt in that second set. So from a match perspective, I thought you know, she did brilliantly and as you said, it it just was a celebration of Serena. I was in the crowd and I suddenly found myself being part of a of a card stunt. That you were that in it? Yeah, I had one on my seat. So I thought, right, well, I'd better, I'd better be involved. Describe no the, way. Describe the card stunt for
2: anybody who didn't see it.
1: Well, everyone, I think everyone in the stadium had a card on just under their seat when they went in, and it had some quite detailed instructions about what you were supposed to do. And it was a card with a tiny slit in it that you, would, that you had to put in front of your face so that you could, you know, it had a sort of eye slit so that you could still see and basically they were all, most of them were blue, but some of them were white to spell out her name and some of them were red to create a heart. What, so, what colour were you? I was blue. So I was part of the sort of background. It's like being a
3: negative uh, blood yeah, type. Yeah. <laughs> mm.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then there was, I think it said, we love Serena two or three times, maybe even four times around the stadium. And it was just a really nice touch. And yeah, I thought, well, I'm going to take part in this given I've got a card.
2: He was a little bit really of blue ambious. in that stadium. Mm. Um, yeah, it was special. This this performance from, from Williams, I mean, look, it wasn't without some anxious moments for her and for the crowd because she got off to that flyer and then it got pegged back and she lost three games in a row and it was quite error-strewn in the middle part of that, that first set. But my sense watching is that this was somebody who has really put in the work ahead of this... I of this match between Cincinnati and now because I felt like her instincts were good. You know, when she was going to the net, she let one or two balls go over her racket because she knew they were going long. And I feel like you've, you you've had to play a lot of balls and a lot of competitive balls to be able to do that. And, and actually, in our commentary on BBC Radio earlier in the day, Laura Robson had had said that she'd been told that Serena has been playing a lot of sets with a lot of people, a lot of different people in a way that maybe she wouldn't normally um, and that's, that's an interesting preparation and it, and it felt like that
3: Yeah, I, I, I've heard the same um, that that's been quite a significant change actually I mean she's had pretty much an, a 24 year career of not hitting with her competitors of having a, a full time hitting partner that travels with her. I know she would hit with Venus, um, but pretty much not ever hitting with other WTA Tour players. Um, and my understanding is following that very chastening defeat in uh, Cincinnati, she was told or came to understand, I don't know exactly how that came about, but it was suggested to her that, you know, you know things are different now you're not you're not playing 50 tennis matches a year this is different you're <laughs> you're playing a, a handful um and you have to play differently and play smarter and um maybe pull the margins in a little bit um and train differently and after 24 years and unprecedented success that's quite that's quite some ego swallowing to do to do that um, and I think it I think it tells you something about how she feels about this tournament um, and her intentions you know Andy Murray won earlier on today it's the 10 year anniversary of of his win in 2012 and Annabelle croft on our coverage on Amazon Prime did a did an interview with him on the court afterwards and she asked a very brilliant pointed final question you know how dangerous do you think you can be here and he was clearly really conflicted between sort of trying trying to be realistic and and you know something approaching humility but also thinking why the hell can't I be dangerous here
1: I'm Andy he's Absolutely, and Murray
3: absolutely and you saw that bit of hesitation and he said well look if I if I can keep improving, yeah, I think I can be dangerous. And I feel like I saw that a bit in Serena Williams. Tonight. She does need to keep improving. And I'm fascinated now by... Look, there's always going to be an element of show. However many more matches she ends up playing at this tournament, there will be show, there will be fanfare. But it's not going to be like it is tonight. My understanding is tonight was the show, the farewell... The ceremony, whatever happens, it was tonight. So Wednesday's going to be mostly about the tennis.
2: Let's get it on.
3: And that's fascinating in a different way.
2: Yeah, I I think they made a a good call doing Mm. doing it this way. Um, Mm. And actually, in the press conference that Serena attended, it was really good press conference. And one of the things she, she said, she admitted, was she'd found Toronto and Cincinnati quite hard. Quite, I think quite emotionally tiring and draining. As wonderful as it all was it, was, it was a lot. And she said, I find this hard as well. But in a way, I'm finding this hard because the way I've played tonight makes me realize I can still do this. And yet I'm walking away from it. Oh. Which was a really good insight, I think, mm. into her state of mind. And, and, and she's, she's pointed to that in the Vogue piece, didn't she, about that, that conflict that, a, that a, a woman in her position has. And, and at the same time, it made me feel that, therefore, maybe she's going to be... I mean, look, I've got her in the quarterfinals, but maybe that's not outlandish after all. It's a net cultivate next. She's the second seed. She whipped somebody today. So she's, she seems to have got some form back. Being coached by Torben belts I saw, today. But I don't know. I think that's 50-50. David just complimenting his own prediction there, in case <laughs> well, anybody know. didn't <laughs> clock it. I mean, I, we'll
3: get on to the ones I got wrong later. <laughs> There's a lot of those. I might be gone by that point. <laughs> Sweet relief. Probably for the best. <laughs> Taylor Fritz. <laughs> While I'm asleep... You'd better do me proud while I'm trying to get to sleep. We'll, with, t- we'll with, tick with off
2: him. Uh, Take task you, with Taylor Fritz. Yeah. I think he's feeling he's worse than we are. Got, got some issues with Doric as well. <laughs> 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 they're feeling worse than us. <laughs> Almost carry on, Matt. What am I supposed
1: to be carrying on? Serena Williams. <laughs> yeah, yes. Annette Conservate. Yes, I was quite impressed by just Serena's little footwork today. Mm, just, yeah. just little. Adjustments in long rallies to to stick in long rallies, and I think that was really missing in in the matches I'd seen of hers previously this year. And I, I will say again, yes, today was the ceremony; it was the celebration. I think it was absolutely the right thing to do because you know they'd made it all about Serena. Everyone was there who would have wanted to be there. It was joyous. She ended up winning. It was all perfect. But that doesn't take away from the fact that every match is still going to be an occasion and there's still going to have to be an opponent who beats Serena Williams at what we believe is her final tournament. And that is is still a very tough ask for someone. And I anticipate the atmosphere on Wednesday night to be just as feverish, pretty much, as it was today. And there was a standing ovation for Serena before she'd won. You know, as soon as she got to match point... Mm -hmm pretty much the entire Arthur Ashe Stadium rose to its feet I've never experienced anything like that before it was unique one of one of a kind atmosphere and the closest thing we're going to get to that again is on Wednesday night and that's a difficult difficult environment to be the opponent in I felt Kovenix did quite a good job to begin Mm -hmm. with but then I think you did see that it was it was not easy and I don't know Annette Conterve what have you got kind of thing
3: it was like she'd sort of performed a bit of hypnosis on herself, Danka Kovnich. I was blown away by how well she dealt with it to start with but it's like it just couldn't quite hold mm. a spell that <laughs> had an expiry point, you know it was extremely relatable
2: mm. um, Matt and I will talk about the, the upsets later, Catherine, once you've gone to bed so let's talk to you about things that happened earlier in the day, you touched on Andy Murray briefly That was that was the way the tournament started, wasn't it? Andy Murray in action and uh, an extraordinary s- statistic that you let me know about um, quite early on, that he had won his first three-set match at a Grand Slam for more than five years. I mean, I know there's a lot that's gone on in those five years, but even so, it's, there's still a lot of matches there that he's played that he hasn't since won he in was, straight Since sets. he
3: was world number one.
2: Wow. He hasn't
3: won a, a Grand Slam match in straight sets.
1: Yeah, 16 Grand Slam matches had, had gone by without... Winning one in straight sets And he'd lost a few in straight sets
3: And that shouldn't be a surprise Because it really has felt like mm. Every single Andy Murray Grand Slam <laughs> match In the last five years Has been an ordeal And yet still That's quite a startling statistic um, I, I, I think Andy Murray is very good today I um, I, I see So much evidence of Ivan Lendl he's, he's, you know it, it's, it's so binary The Ivan Lendl effect really It's muscling that forehand being a bit more brutish on the forehand obviously there's other nuances and i know it but well, in fact he referenced this in his on court interview you know just him being there and believing in him enough to be there is significant to andy murray yeah, yeah. i think there are so many people that haven't believed enough um and it's him and it's
2: it, it's the guy who he was with mm when he was at his very best yeah. twice and he still believes in it mm. I mean what a thing
3: absolutely um, and yeah and and the, but there's also the impact on the tennis which I really think is stark and it makes you think well for goodness sake I mean do you really need to pay the bloke to It's, I could tell you pay me the same amount and i'll say do the thing that ivan Lendl used to tell you to do on your forehand pay half yeah i i will t- <laughs> i will take a fraction of the cash <laughs> um but obviously coaching doesn't work like that um unfortunately um i do think francisco sirindello was disappointing i thought he, he played was, a, yeah. a a really stupid just a dumb tennis match like all the talk in the lead-up is about Andy Murray cramping. You know, Andy Murray is saying, "I don't know what's going on here. I'm stressed and worried about it." And hey, stress and worry is a contributing factor to cramp. Um, it could not have been more crampy conditions today. Like I was, I was cramping at 10 a.m. Sitting down, rehearsing to going <laughs> to going on air, stood still. Like it was. Bonkers Get today was The day conditions dreaming Of pickle juice Yeah honestly I said I'd rather have cramp <laughs> um, So yeah I, I think Sorundolo Did not play A smart tennis match I mean he was going For rash winners And he couldn't
2: keep the ball in You just gotta keep wasn't.
3: The guy out there You know he's, he's not
2: on your Backhand list Matt He was Absolute, t- I thought No it was Stuffing him in I'd the neck I'd have it.
3: stuff to say To Sorundolo If I was his coach But That is what Andy Murray used to do to people in the good old days, wasn't it? He'd scramble their brain. He'd make them not able to play there. Because sometimes you think, how's this guy winning? Because he's not hitting loads of winners and he's not doing anything massively spectacular. Um, That is my McDonald's. I'll be back with my Andy Murray analysis momentarily. (laughs) When
2: did she find time to order a McDonald's? I didn't. (laughs) She's done that without my knowledge whatsoever. (laughs) Um, So that's going to be going going to get picked up by Catherine um, and and here she is um, what have we got
3: my last date is 11am right so.
2: okay marvellous
3: okay. Um, what was I saying did you re- oh, what did I, was, say I think for, I was show, insulting or? Francisco so you, was, you were that, that, but also complimenting Andy Murray. yeah I was saying that's what he used to do wasn't it you'd go how's, how's I can't remember many points that Andy Murray sort of hit winners, or that, but he. I,
2: I I tell you though, today what what he was doing was he was hitting the ball cleanly. There was mm. a real ping coming off the strings, and he. I got the sense that he was. There's Catherine just opening her McDonald's. If you wonder what that is, uh, going for the water, she, David. oh well, there you go. Um, but. Um, he, he, it didn't really matter what Serenadelo did with the ball. Murray was reacting well to it. I suppose a bit like what I've been saying about Serena. He, they kind of feel match tight, even though they haven't played that many matches. They've clearly been preparing really, really well. Um, and I, I got the chance to do to do BBC Radio's interview with Murray afterwards, and and it was one of those where he he's got to rush out the press conference room to go to the ESPN studio, which is over the other side of the. The, uh, the premises here so it was one of those that you, you call a walk and talk interview so I'm very nearly walking into trees benches spectators whilst also trying to hold a conversation with Andy Murray walking along with my microphone stuck in his face but the third question I asked him and it was off the back of something from the press conference he'd said in the presser he said look Ivan Lendl knows exactly what I need to do in order to get back to the top of the game and I and I, sa- I put that to him. I said, y- you said this, so what is it? What is it that Ivan Lendl says that you need to do to get back to the top of the game? And he said, look, I'm not going to go into loads of details, but basically tennis is actually quite simple. It, people may make it far too complicated. And by that, I took him basically saying, I've been making it far too complicated. What Ivan does... Is, is simplify it for me and makes me think I've got to keep the points a bit shorter, go after my forehand, go forwards, and basically cut out the faff mm. is, is what I got from it.
3: Look, I... Again. I am an expert at telling people to cut out the fat. <laughs> if that's what he's after, Catherine's
2: job application I'll, I'll in again.
3: Yeah. I'll do him a cut-price job.
2: She sat that there is, with her chips, and she's honestly
3: right up my alley. I can submit my CV in the morning.
2: Ready to give her her <laughs> advice. Um, I also asked him, by the way, um, what what he found about Serena Williams. From his playing doubles with her, what she's like, and and he said that, he said he was really nervous when he was going to go and play doubles with her because he didn't want to let her down, <laughs> and uh, he said she really put me at ease, and she's she cracks loads of jokes while you're on the court, and he said I can't really repeat any of them, <laughs> so, he's uh, it sounds like she's a, she's a lot of fun, um, but I I I have good. F- vibes for Andy Murray I mean he's got what he wants now he said he wanted a seeding now he's beaten a seeded player so he gets the seeded player's draw
3: Emilio Nava yes came around to world number 200 that's
2: who, a good I mean a good player who beat John Millman but it's a good draw who
1: I first saw play and haven't seen play that many times since the Australian Open junior final he lost to Lorenzo Mazzetti um, a few years ago. Oh really? Mm.
2: I remember that match. Mm. Yes, I remember you were you were very taken by Massetti in that uh, the, run.
3: The uh, the men's draw is very relieved to see John Milman go out given that it's scheduled to get <laughs> somehow even sweatier than it was today.
2: <laughs> mm. And apparently Milman struggled in the conditions today. And if John Milman's struggling <laughs> in the conditions, everybody's mm. struggling. I felt very
3: validated when I <laughs> when I saw that.
2: Yeah.
1: it's, it's pretty amazing to me, just going back to that first straight sets win in five years, like, what Murray has endured in that time, you know, being able to win a Grand Slam match in straight sets used to just be something that Andy Murray could do easily, you know, through, through most of the first week, you know, sometimes he'd make it difficult for himself, of course, but you know, at his best, he won he won countless matches in straight sets at the Slam and yet you know, how many players would have put up with what Murray's put up with over the last five years? I just don't think that many at all. And the way he has, you know, he's been frustrated, but he's also stayed patient. He's tried to, you know, he's rehired Ivan Lendl. He's, he's just worked his way back to this position. You know, we got an insight into, into it in, in that documentary, he did, of course, but the work Murray has put in, just to get back to this point, constantly blows my mind and yeah I'm I'm pleased for him that he's got kind of the draw that he was after
2: now yeah and it's 10 years on of course since he won this title so it's um it feels like I don't know it feels like a big moment for him to maybe have his run now maybe this is the one and with the way people are falling all over the place you know that that suddenly feels like not the most absurd thing in the world and the most open open ever
3: he's listened to Jimmy Connors relived hasn't he (laughs)
2: One more time.
3: One more time.
0: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much.
2: Right then, what else are we going to talk about? Um, Daniel Medvedev was also on the Arthur Stadium. He was the first match on there at, uh, at noon. He beat Stefan Kozlov in straight sets, very, very comfortably. Um, we we had a lot of upsets, as I mentioned, Matt. Why don't you take us through a couple of the upsets that we had today? Because I mean, it was it included. One little sequence where we had two upsets in about 45 seconds completed on the men's side.
1: Yes, Stefanos Tsitsipas and Taylor Fritz both going out. Uh, Not good for my predictions. Not good for lots of people's predictions, I would have thought. Not good for them. These are are bad losses. I really do think so. Um, Tsitsipas was six love, four love down to Daniel Galan. And if there was a time to be six love, four love down, it was probably when everyone was watching Serena Williams and no one was really noticing. I think it was, Suddenly it was like, hang on a minute, what is happening with Sitsipas? This has gone on longer than just a bad start. This is a sort of crisis situation for him. And it got a bit better. You know, he, he did win some games. He won a set. He fought really hard in the fourth set, ended up saving... Eight match points, I think, before losing it on the ninth.
2: He's got to be injured if he's losing. If he's winning one game in two sets. Well, no?
1: he he um, received some treatment on his elbow and his arm. I, I believe it was the end of the second set, and he he did he did look to be in in some pain when the sort of physio was manipulating him. I suppose um, he he's given some quotes um, saying that. I was very well prepared, I felt very well in practice, I had lots of good matches, the momentum was in my favour, he's aware of his history at the US Open not being very good, he's never reached the second week, he said that even the fact of the slim chance that he could reach world number one after this tournament was on his mind.
2: Apparently, Caspar Rude can reach world number one. <laughs>
1: Someone told these people that the
3: rankings are meaningless now. <laughs> it's suddenly now. Chill out.
2: <laughs> really? He said, my arm was
1: pretty tight. Nothing was coming off my strokes. I felt my serve was slow. He returned great. He took advantage of it. I couldn't get into the match. It was as if I was half dead.
2: Blimey.
3: Never knowingly understated. <laughs>
2: I mean, it, it, it's a shocker. Oh it is. It's a t- and he's never done well here, is he? No, he hasn't. What's his best result been? I think third round. Third round, third round for Stefanos Tsitsipas at the US Open in about, what, five goes. It's not good enough. It's really, And, it, and it, you wonder whether that's the city, uh, whether it's... I mean, obviously, if he's hurting a bit today, maybe that's a factor. But even so, it just should not be happening. And if you think those are
3: devastating post-match mm. quotes... Enter what? Taylor Fritz. <laughs> Enter Taylor Fritz. Oh,
1: really? What did he have to say? He said, I'd been playing really well. I had really high hopes. I feel like an idiot for thinking that I could win this thing, win the US Open. I can't go out and play a match like that. It sucks. I feel awful.
2: You, I mean, you, you could have just asked me. I'd have told him I'd have been gobsmacked. <laughs> have won it. Yeah,
1: Federico Delbonis is going to go further at the US Open than Taylor Fritz, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is what's happening here.
2: Uh, but uh, i had we, him in my semi-finals. Um, well, uh, by the way, me did, too. Did you? Okay. Well, I mean, a couple of points. Well <laughs> done, Daniel Galan, because that's that's a great resort for him, isn't it? The he's from Colombia, and and just and wha- a great wha- day wha-
1: for Colombia because uh,
2: Camilla Osorio won as well. Did she? Mm. Uh, and um, just on Brandon Holtz, who. Knocked out Taylor Fritz four sets, and that you know, and he came out firing. He was four-two up in the first set. Was, was Holt lost that first set on a tie break? Normally, in that situation, I'm thinking, okay, you've had your moment. This is straight sets for Taylor Fritz, and he, he's won the second set also on a tie break, and then basically accelerated away from him. And I watched some of the highlights of the match afterwards. He's such a canny player, Holt. He's not, he doesn't hit the ball that hard. He sort of strokes the ball. It comes off quite quickly. But he was playing cat-and-mouse tennis with Taylor Fritz and driving him to distraction, bringing him in, lobbing him, making him look really awkward at times. Clever player. Tracy Austin in the crowd, oh. in tears again. It was lovely. I feel sort of bad for Taylor Fritz, but still.
1: I know that we have nothing to do with Brandon Holt's run, but I sort of feel like... Mm. He's had a bit of a podcast bump.
2: Mm. Mm. Well, I'm certainly enjoying it anyway. <laughs> you know, If you don't know what we're talking about, it was on a, the US Open Relive show we did with and about Tracy Austin, and we interviewed her, and, and she... P- put her son on my radar for the first time during the interview about a week ago and uh, lo and behold he entered qualifying he's gone all the way through and he's in the second round of the US Open. Congratulations to him congratulations to her it's a great story
1: and um, just while we're on uh, offspring of great tennis players doing well Ooh. Elizabeth Mandlik won today as well and daughter Corder. of Anna Mandlickova and Sebastian Corder
3: yes. wow
2: it's all happening all good stuff okay um right well we've got some more upsets to talk about Catherine is it bedtime
3: well I have just eaten a whole um punnet of uh, McDonald's fries so
2: that's energised you is it yeah okay well, yeah.
3: I can do hallop. Let's, let's let's do <laughs> hallop and right see
2: where we're at so the, the McDonald's are worth it we get Catherine I, for Hallep. I'll say
3: it again haven't eaten since 11 a.m.
2: <laughs> okay, and it's now past 11 p.m. Um, that's what tennis tournaments are like, folks. Uh, so, what did happen to Simona Hallop today?
3: She lost to Sneager, who it now occurs to me, I, I I don't know her first name. Daria. Daria. I was, was going to say Daria, but I thought am I might just, I don't know. Daria Sneager.
2: Yeah from ukraine
3: from ukraine a former junior wimbledon champion
2: and a fun time david oh yeah i mean to watch her is to struggle to believe your eyes Mm. the shots she's hitting my card was marked by um, a tip-off we received that her service motion involved her feet not leaving the ground Mm. and Sure enough <laughs> when I watched the footage that's exactly what happened but really the thing that, that that occurred to me was that she has the most extraordinary forehand which looks like she's swinging a sort of lasso and then it's all it's all floppy and then she'll hit the ball with the ball contact is without any top spin whatsoever it's just flat as a pancake and it flies through the air and you're thinking she cannot control that it's impossible and yet she controlled enough of them to beat Smyrna Allen.
1: Makes Medvedev's forehand look quite normal. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I don't know, I was, I was saying to Catherine, I I tend to like players with really clean, nice technique. You know, I mentioned Serena's serve. It's just, I just love it. But I also like players with really funky, weird technique. Who and, still
2: make it work. Yeah,
1: and Sneger fits into that category. And... Her backhand is great, though. You know, I mean, the forehand is, is, a, is a weird thing, but she makes it work. The backhand's really good. David even Which said it could be on the method, list. very isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Funky um,
3: forehand, dreamy backhand.
1: Yeah, and she was, she was brilliant. She was driving Halep mad, you know, hitting the ball to a really good length, coming up with angles as well. Um, and then this incredibly emotional moment at the end when she did win... Um, she sort of put her, fing- her fingers over her Ukraine ribbon on her chest to make a heart, and her dad was, was in the stands and just he had his hands on his head throughout the entire interview. It was, it was her first ever tour-level win, I think, first, first match against a top-ten player. And, yeah, you know, the US Open is a big deal, but the invasion of your country is just clearly on her mind all the time of course it is and in her heart all the time and that just outpouring of emotion at the end i just i just found it extremely touching and affecting i actually had to move desk in the in the media room because at the crucial moment all the all the Computer screens froze in our in our portion of the media room, so I ran into the other room and had to find an empty desk. I, I, I went to the one which was for a Serbian journalist. I was thinking possible that he's not here, and <laughs> turned out to be a good call because it was empty. Um, so that was my following of this match. But yeah, it was it was it was incredible. And for Halep, I mean, we have seen her lose her first match on the Lewis Armstrong Stadium before to. To Kanepi in 2018, we know she doesn't like New York really, but she did come in in really good form, and I think that has to be that has to be a disappointing loss for her as well.
2: She looked stressed from very early on in that match. Three points in. Yeah, her eyes were wild, and and look, I think she wasn't enjoying those weather conditions, uh, and, and I can understand why we, for all the reasons we've talked about. But she looked hot and bothered. Harassed and as if she was just trying desperately to hold it together because she was, she knew that if she could just dig in, her 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 normal foundation of her game would probably win against most players. And of course, there were those huge peaks and, and troughs in in the game of her opponent, and and that included a, a very lopsided second set in Halep's favour. But it just it it you don't necessarily win. Major titles like that She won her major titles by Hitting out when she was under pressure When she was under the gun Against Sloane Stephens She went for it When she played Serena Williams She absolutely knocked her off the court It was extraordinary um, And here she was playing an inspired opponent With an unorthodox game And she she didn't quite have enough And, and, and yeah it's, But it's a big disappointment I reckon for her
1: and, I mean we did say when she won in Toronto, that she kind of won it in spite of herself, you know, because of herself, because of her fighting qualities and the way she dug deep, but she wasn't always playing that well and it, it never felt secure. And, you know, I didn't think she'd go out in the first round here, but I suppose in that context, it's maybe not that surprising that she was vulnerable.
2: Mm, yeah. Um, so lots of people going out and we mentioned daria Kasatkina as one a little bit earlier as well matt and she went out to harriet dart and that is really the best result of harriet dart british players career um and and she was brilliant i mean that was a really long first set wasn't it that was about 11-9 in the tie break but again Kasatkina, that's a disappointment on paper i mean was she ill
1: she was sick on the court. Oh, OK, then she was.
2: <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> I, think, well, I, I mean... think it was the
1: conditions. She looked exhausted. She, she'd obviously played a lot of tennis last week as well. Maybe maybe that wasn't the best decision. You know, I, I, I really saw Kazakina going deep here, given that she has won two titles, but maybe she didn't need that week just before, you know, she's she playing on Saturday and she's playing again Monday in the US Open, different country. Okay, it's not that far, but still, um, I suppose maybe she was a bit freaked by losing back-to-back matches after she won in San Jose. She she took some losses to Andrescu and Anissimova. They were really tough draws. Just felt like Cassequina was set up to do really well at this year's U.S. Open, and you know we've seen her do well in the Slam already this year at Roland Garros. It's not like it's a Slam thing. Yeah, that was that was probably the most in a way, maybe the most surprising one for me today. Um, maybe Fritz as well, but yeah, I really didn't see that coming from Casacchino and I think a combination of Dart playing really well, Casacchino not playing well and the conditions just just all caught up with her because I thought after that first set that she lost that she was going to do that thing that she did in San Jose, which do you remember she kept losing the first set and then turning the match around and taking charge. I thought that was going to happen again, but it just didn't.
2: Mm. Our predictions are in ruins, folks. Complete ruins. Oh dear. Well, why change a bit of a lifetime? <laughs> um, okay, Catherine. I think it's bedtime for you.
3: Yeah, I, ha- I have just given <laughs> given myself an ice cream headache from the McDonald's uh, chocolate <laughs> milkshake.
2: Okay, is, is that is that good or
1: or bad? It's not great. Not bad. It's not, not great. It's, it's definitely bad. Okay.
3: I don't think I've had a McDonald's milkshake in about 20 years. <laughs> you, you had that
2: one? Kind of... it
3: was, it was, I think it's an overdose of E numbers.
2: <laughs> okay. A um, couple of other results to let you know about. We had uh, an incredible victory for Tommy Paul in five sets. That I, I came into the press room and uh, all sorts of stuff going on. But, oh, no, Matt's there watching the fifth set of Tommy Paul against...
1: Bernabé Miralles. That's the one mm. Who hadn't played on a hard court Since Rotterdam In February he goes, <laughs> he goes out of his way To play on clay whenever he can And he does it extremely well He wins a lot of matches And he's sort of battle-hardened But I didn't expect him to be Well, looking like he was going to beat Tommy Paul He had great points in that fifth set Um, and Tommy Paul eventually at the second attempt managed to serve it out which given that Fritz I I think Fritz was in the Tommy Paul section of the draw now feels like a really big win for Paul because Mm. he has been playing well I don't know what happened today, but um, yeah, he, he, again, he could be one who, who could have a good
2: run here. And impressive that they got through the five sets. You know, when you consider Maxime Cressy retired at once at all with Martin Fucevic, Stan Vavrinka retired, retired while training two sets to love against Karatan Mute. I mean, it's been that kind of day. People have been suffering out there.
3: Catherine Whitaker retired midway through the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> she's on her way, <laughs> <Good> night, folks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow, Catherine. Um, now, just a couple of other points here on the men's draw, and most specifically the match involving Pablo Corina Buster and Dominic Team Matt, because you went out there. It was one in four sets by Carrena Buster. There were moments where you looked at Dominic Thiem and the eye test made you think, he's back. Mm. <laughs> but he's not back, is he? What's what's going on? I'm finding it really
1: hard to put my finger on what is going on with Dominic Team. I think you've summed it up. You know, you think he might be back, but he's not back. It's, it's a it's a long road. Um, he said, anyone thinking I was the favourite today against Pablo Cunha Busta is not in touch with reality. Really? Uh, because he's still on the comeback trail, and Cunha just won a big title. But There were chances. You know, there really were chances. I I joined it at the end of the first set, and that was nip and tuck. He was actually a bit scuppered by a napkin, believe it or not.
2: Right. Okay. (laughs) Explain yourself.
1: Because he was was serving to take the first set into a tie break, and it looked like he was going to. He had control of the rally. And then a napkin flew onto the court, and they had to play a let. (sighs) And he double-faulted after the let. And lost his serve two points later. And then he played a terrible second set. It was like, you know, it was a sort of Andy Murray gong moment or feather moment. Yes. You know, just a sort of outside influence did, that did seem to play a part. Um, and yet some of his quotes post-match are quite upbeat. You know, he says there were some definite positives today. The way he fought back in the third set, I think, was was one of them. He is still capable of hitting cam winners that forced me to make, you know, inappropriate sounds for the press room,
2: <laughs> which I found myself
1: frequently doing I know, today. I
2: know what you mean. I, ma- I made one at one point <laughs> while I was the next year. You know,
1: it, it's it's all there still, that yeah. ability. But confidence, I think, is shot. He hasn't played much on hard court. He, he does need time. He needs matches. He needs patience, which are all difficult things to sort of accept and give yourself but if he can stay healthy I'm hopeful because he's hopeful mm. and that was that was quite different to his French Open press conference which was really downbeat I think right. this one he did see some positives but yeah it's it's it is a bit sad you know there was a clamour to watch him it was it was hard to get into court yeah, Seven. people are desperate aren't they yeah and there's real goodwill towards him wanting him to do well and yeah because I really hope so because his tennis is exhilarating yeah, when he plays well.
2: It, it sure is. Um, on, on the women's side, there were some comfortable wins today for Caroline Garcia and for Coco Goff. Ons Jaber was a straight-sets winner over Madison Brengel. But nobody's talking about Ons Jaber. No. Wh- and which is d- different to before the French and Wimbledon.
1: Yes, and I think you've got a theory as to why, David.
2: Well, I mean, my theory is that she hasn't, been there and done it yet? So she doesn't automatically get included in that conversation, or as we might say, the mix. And we know we know the doubts I've had over that, largely alleviated by what I saw at Wimbledon. But I think you don't get automatically put in that that group unless you've got form coming in. And as a result of that, I mean, look, her form hasn't been good. She doesn't convince that much on a hard court, I think, in some way because there's nowhere to hide on a hard court. So you can't you can't rely on touch and crazy backspin drop shots and things like that that might work on a clay court or or different sort of skiddy shots that might work on a a grass court it's it's just different and yet to to really show that she's got it on this surface so i i think that that's why really she just lacks enough form
1: yeah and she obviously had that form ahead of the French Open and and ahead of Wimbledon when she really was being talked about. And I, and I think you're right. I think I'm increasingly seeing Honest Jabeur as a as a natural surface specialist, if that's what we want to group clay and grass together as, mm. because she's able to differentiate herself and separate herself with with her court craft. I mean, she did win today, so yeah, she is she still, did. still in the tournament and her losses on the hard-court swing haven't been terrible. You know, she had that one to Kvitova, Kudumatova, I think, um, jung Chim Wen as well. So, you know, not bad losses. Um, but, yeah, I agree. She, she really is under the radar at this tournament.
2: Yeah. Um, final point on the women's draw. We have uh, a second-round meeting now between Bianca Andreescu and Beatriz Haddad Maia. Haddad Maia beat Anna Konyu Six love, six love, which is a bit mean, isn't it? <laughs> Oh dear. Um, but um, Andrescu beat Harmony Tan, and that was after charging off the court to change her Nike dress, and she was basically slagging it off. I mean,
1: cancel the competition for quote of the tournament because we've already got it from Bianca Andrescu. It's not my fault, it's Nike's.
2: <laughs> who sponsor it royally
1: (laughs) she was she was asking the umpire whether she could change her outfit because it was it was hindering her on on her forehand it was getting in her way Uh, and but she didn't want the umpire to sort of deem it as an official change of outfit because they're limited Um, so yeah she said it's not my fault it's Nike's and then you know, that, that clip went round on Twitter, and everyone's thinking, oh, God, Andrescu's got some work to do behind the scenes at Nike. And she started that work in her press conference because, <laughs> <Got you. laughs> because uh, she said, I love Nike. I hope I can be with them for the rest of my life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good try.
1: But, um, yeah, it was it, it was it was an awkward match. I think matches against Harmony Tan are always going to be a bit weird because yep. she's got a funky game. She started the third set really well, Andrescu. Good intensity. I was on the court there. That just you know set her up to win it. And uh, she came up with a line in the press conference as well that she's she's doing a bit of an Ons Do you remember Ons at Wimbledon said that she changed her screensaver on her phone to, I believe it was a picture of the trophy to sort of visualise herself winning it well, if that was a sort of projection for the future Andreescu's sort of gone back into the past and she's changed her screensaver to her lifting the US Open trophy oh. in 2019 and I think, I think she walks a tricky balance with you know, she's not that person anymore and the world is not the same anymore and she's had to move on from 2019, Banko Andrescu yet it's also a source of inspiration for her and she knows that it's in there. So I find that whole sort of mental dynamic fascinating. And, yeah, there were a few come-ons which would have given Catherine life, I think, if she'd been courtside. And the thought of her against Hadad Meyer I mean, that's that's a fierce battle. I'm going
2: to try and get courtside for that. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Um, listen, we we really want to tell you about somewhere we went last night um, to celebrate Mary Carillo, where it was just the most incredible, star-studded event, and so much emotion, so much humour, but. I think we've got to have Catherine with us to tell you about it properly but Mary was presented with the, the Georgina Clark WTA Mother Award last night and it was the, one of the best nights of my life I mean in terms of certainly in my professional career it was just an incredible couple of hours but anyway we'll, we'll come back to that when, when Catherine's with us because I know she, she will feel similarly and we can share some of the stories that, uh, that we had from that night um, we'll wrap up by reminding you about the AO Travel Competition um, I mean look We like a honey juice here at the US Open, let me tell you. Um, And uh, with the AO travel um, premium experiences, one of them is wine tasting at the Australian Open while overlooking the city. I mean, imagine that. And that's one of the things you can do. So, you know, they'll look after your travel, they'll look after your accommodation, they'll get you tickets, they'll do the lot. Uh, just go to ozopentravel.com, they'll create any package that you like, and you can create your own too. So uh, go and check them out if you're think- thinking of going to the Australian Open, and particularly if you're not the lucky one who wins our incredible competition for two people to be going to the Australian Open with a flight, with accommodation, with tickets, with a premium experience. Only one friend, though, is going to win that, but that could be you if you become a friend of the Tennis Podcast. Um, So go and check out our show notes for the link to become a friend. Or check out the uh, link in your newsletter if you're already a friend and you can enter that competition. Uh, US Open mascot is Phoebe. Uh, We've got our individual mascots. Mine is Darwin. Catherine's is Carter. Matt's is Gerald, the cat, who's no longer with us but very much in our thoughts at all times. Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. Chris Albert-Lee and Carl Weingartner are our executive producers and top blokes. And we have shout-outs, Matt. We have Debbie Thorpe, right, Debbie, who
1: says she's Yorkshire, born and bred, now living in South Devon.
2: Debbie occasionally gets in touch with us, I think, on social media, and is always very nice. Lots to say about the sport of tennis, and actually, this is one of the things I love about what we do: is that people just tell us what what they feel about tennis. You know, I mean, we get so many different correspondences about about the sport, and, and there's so much passion for it out there. Cheers, Debbie. We've also got Carolyn Leap. What is going on? (laughs) That wasn't for you, Debbie. (laughs) (laughs) Or Carolyn. That's just New York, folks. (laughs) Carry on. Carolyn. Hi, Carolyn. Carolyn Leap.
1: And Carolyn is the mother of Catherine Leap Lazar, who is a predictions friend. Oh, wow. Always, Always in our predictions. I know we like it when... The podcast is in the family
2: oh it's the best I can't I uh, what I always say to all of you isn't it is tell your friends tell your family tell all the rest of it oh well done Carolyn and well done Catherine
1: and finally we've got Martina Vranjulic from David you're going to like this Zagreb in Croatia oh
2: I lived for two and a half years in Zagreb in Croatia and I can tell you it's one of my favourite cities in the whole world I loved living there and I can't wait to go back. And I'm so thrilled that we have a tennis podcast listener and friend who is from Zagreb in Croatia. That's so cool. And Martina is a very Tennessee name. It sure is. Yeah, we, uh, we saw Martina last night when we were at this, this lovely do for Mary Carino. But more of that later. More name dropping to comfort. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it's been one heck of a day one, Matt. You've just done your first ever day of work at the US Open. What did you think?
1: It was epic. Yeah, it was amazing. It was, it was every bit as good as I hoped it would be. And as I said, just so much happened. Oh. And yet there was also one overwhelming story. Yeah. And that's, that's what we can ask for.
2: That was a night never to be forgotten mm. because Serena Williams ain't done yet. We'll be back tomorrow.
0: it.